300 bucks! Would you shut up about the car? Hey, and another thing. How do you know where I live? Let's just say we're related, Biff. And that being the case, I got a little present for you. Something that'll make you rich. You want to be rich, don't you? Oh, yeah. Sure, right. That's rich. <laughs> You're going to make me rich? <laughs> you see this book? This book tells the future. It tells the results of every major sports event till the end of the century. Football, baseball, horse races, boxing. The information in here is worth millions. And I'm giving it to you. Well, that's very nice. Thank you very much. Now, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? It's leave, you idiot. Make like a tree and leave. You sound like a damn fool when you say it wrong. All right, then, leave. Uh-huh. Mr. A, I definitely think something is wrong. My dog made the same face you're making now, and later that day, he died. We need to get you to a vet ASAP. Trip, the only thing that's wrong with me is the fact that you two won't keep your hands off each other. Dad, you're being so uncool right now. I don't care. Taylor, your PDA is completely unacceptable, and I will not have it in this house anymore. Are we clear? Of course, sir. I should go. Trip and I like each other. We're just doing what couples do. I expect mom to freak out, but I thought you were cooler than that. Guess I was wrong. Move over, Bruce Willis. There's a new bad cop on the force. Yippee dabba doo, mother may I? Is that right? No. Why don't you all make like a tree and welcome to another episode of Entertainment Landfill News. Join us this week as we talk about film, television, and pop culture type news and stuff like that. Peace out, mofos. Now leave. Yeah, good times. Hello, everyone. It's time for another episode of Entertainment Landfill News. I am your host, the J-Strom. Welcome to the show. I don't do the show alone. I also do it with Stephen the Pop Culture Zealot. What's happening? Stephen to my left. Remember how I used to yes. say that? <laughs> Everybody knows I'm to the left now, right? That's right. Correct. Right. Left. left on the right. Hello, Stephen. Correct. Welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here. Oh, yeah. Sure. Right. That's rich. <laughs> no, it really is nice to have you here, Stephen. And here's the funny thing. We're going to the movies later. We are. We're doing a show before the movies, guys. We're not, like, taking the uh, the weekend off or anything like that because you already told me next Friday you're going to be at a concert, so you can't do a show. Correct. So I was like, we've got to do one now. <clears throat> And I have no idea, the following week, Ready Player One comes out, and I was already telling you, it comes out on a Wednesday, or it comes out on a Thursday, but it has a late showing Wednesday. We could technically see it early before that Friday. Will you be in town? 
No, no, no. You know. Okay. Would you see it out of town, wherever you're at? Possibly. That way, that Friday night, we could do a show and talk all about it? Yes. Maybe? I, I have been to movies out of town. <laughs> you have been. It's a thing. They have theaters it, it in other happens, places. It happens occasionally. Now, do you have any idea where you will be on the uh, 28th, 29th? As far as I know, I'll still be in Topeka. Topeka? All right. So you'll be in Topeka, um, Frisco? Hello, Frisco. Topeka, Bay Area, California, yes. Wait, what? <clears throat> You're just messing with me. <laughs> Hello, Frisco. Damn it! I fell for it. We're not in Kansas anymore. Hey, do do yeah, people see? S- we're not in Kansas anymore. Do people say that all the time in Kansas? No, I haven't heard anyone say that. Wait, and I'm sure I'd get smacked if I said it. Actually, Stephen, you're not in Kansas anymore because you're here in Texas. <laughs> that was a good one, right? Uh, oh yeah, sure, right. That's rich. <laughs> hey, I thought it was funny. All right. Ugh. All right, then, leave! My God, Biff is such a dick. I mean, seriously. Do you like that guy? No. What an a-hole. But, uh, Steven, I don't know if you know this, but I just got to talk about this. The new Avengers trailer came out this morning. Have you seen it? No, sir. I've been traveling all day. Okay, let's watch it. And I got this fancy hairdo. Nice. Today. Like the hairdo. Like it. Okay, let's check this out, Steven. Can you see it from that angle? I can squish over here. Kind of getting dizzy. The The entire time I knew him, he only ever had one goal. My God. To wipe out half the universe. If he gets all the Infinity Stones, he can do it with the snap of his fingers. Just like that. Tell me his name again. Thanos. Oh, man. We got one advantage. Right? He's coming to us. We have what Thanos wants. So that's what we use. Let's talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way it might be really good. Wow. Nice. Got Black Panther. Gonna be awesome. The end is near. When I'm done, half of humanity will still exist. Perfectly bounced. As all things should be. I hope they remember you. I definitely get goosebumps. I'm Peter, by the way. Doctor Strange. Oh, I'm using your made-up names. Then I am Spider-Man. Nice. I love that. Love the Spidey action in there. Man, dude, that actually gets me worried, Steven, when I watch that. You know what I mean? It looks... uh, Something bad's going to happen? It looks like a lot of bad stuff's going to (laughs) happen. We see... Doctor Strange in some kind of thing, and uh, Look Thor big needles sticking out of him. But Cap, he's the one I'm most worried about. He looks like he's in some deep S mm. in that trailer, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, I don't know a lot about Thanos, but I do know he's a cosmic super being, and he's got hellacious strength. And right. Oh man, I can't wait to see this. This looks awesome. April 27th, Stephen. We don't have to wait long for this, but that looks epic, doesn't it? It's got everybody. Guardians of the Galaxy. It's got Black Panther. April 27th. April 27th. Will you still be in Kansas at that time, do you think? Unsure. Hello, Frisco. Ah, okay. uh, You know, my little GPS thing's broken on my computer. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Stephen, 
Um, to get right into the news, there's some sad news, and I'll give you a hint what it is with this commercial here. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. You just said the magic words that look like you did. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. You'll get the best for so much less. Your folks will flip the lid. If it's new and hot. It's a toy they've got. And the prices are hot. This commercial's all weird. <laughs> Cause if I did, you couldn't be a toy. Toys R Us kid. Yay. It's the world's biggest toy store. Let's go. Steven, Toys R Us is closing. And we I'd heard a while back that they were closing some stores. Right. But now they're closing all of them. Right. Uh, this story uh, just came out this week. Hopefully that mic didn't just pick that up, Steven. Uh, although rumors have been swirling around for weeks, it is now sadly official. Toys R Us... Maybe the most iconic and beloved toy store chain in American institutions since 1957 is closing all of its stores, according to a report on CNN. That is some 800 stores in the United States alone and about 33,000 jobs that will disappear. Back in September, Toys R Us filed for bankruptcy, hoping that it might help save the company in the long run. But it was too little too late. Toys R Us has apparently not made a full year profit since 2012 and has lost 2.5 billion cents. So the writing was on the wall. Nevertheless, if you were a kid anywhere from the seventies to the nineties, chances are you were a Toys R Us kid. We all had the catchy jingle memorized. When your family took you to Toys R Us, it was almost the equivalent of going to Disneyland. I was a kid in the eighties heyday of afternoon cartoons as 30 minute commercials for toys. So going to Toys R Us was like going to the promised land. He-Man, Cabbage Patch Kids, Transformers, Barbie, G.I. Joe, My Little Pony, whatever toy line was your poison, they didn't have their own section. They had their own massive aisle. It was toy heaven. And chances are, if your parents were taking there, even if it was to shop for someone else, you weren't coming out empty-handed. The loss of Toys R Us marks the end of an era of a type of American consumerism, and this news probably means more to adults right now than it means to kids who have a different relationship to toys than previous generations. For them, toys are something that arrives in a brown Amazon box or maybe something you get at Walmart or Target. But for us, Toys R Us is where the toys lived, and getting to go there and wander its aisles was a rare treat that we all cherished. So rest in peace, Toys R Us. You made a generation of kids very happy. This was on Nerdist.com. Several generations of kids happy. I have some. Uh, I have some Toys R Us happy memories, and uh, I even have it as an adult with me and you <laughs> buying toy guns. Yeah. Well, I mean, even like uh, taking my games. taking my daughter there a couple of times. But yeah, they're right. Walmart and Target or Amazon. I've. Uh, got a lot of toys in those places other than Toys R Us. I would I would almost say I would avoid Toys R Us in the most recent years because the place is crowded or whatever. Uh, apparently not that crowded. But I'm about to say, what are you talking about? I, I felt no need to go there. I wasn't compelled to go there unless we had to, really. But when I was a kid, I remember several memorable Toys R Us things. And here's here's like kind of a special one. When my mom died and we went to live with my dad in California, um, we were already there in California, you know, and she died here in Texas. So we stayed there with my dad. So all of our stuff was here in Texas. So we didn't have any. And uh, we didn't think about that till a couple of weeks later. Like we don't have, I don't have any, my toys or any of the stuff I had. And all I remember clothes, all my toys, my dad took us to Toys R Us. And he said, pick out some stuff you want. Just pick out some stuff, stuff you really want. And we're like, okay. And, you know, I remember picking out like a couple of things. And my dad goes, no, no, you can get more than that. Can you think of anything else you want? And I was like, really? Okay. And, you know, I don't remember, even remember exactly what I got. Like, you know, maybe toy car or had whatever you, known you weren't coming back that your mom had passed or was it no you know i knew that but I, what i didn't know at that toys r us visit that my dad was everything we picked out you know i thought like he would go no you can't have that okay you can have that but after he goes are you is that all the stuff you want and i was like 
yeah, what can I have? And he goes, okay, we're going to take all that. And he let us load up on stuff we wanted there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, wait, I get to have all this stuff. You know, it was a way to kind of like cheer us up. And we had stuff now because we didn't have anything with us. I didn't know if it was like one of those, it's kind of softened the blow a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And I have a fond memory of that. That was fun. And also, uh, the first time that uh, taking Emma there when she was little, that was fun. But it is it is a bummer, man. It's sad. Uh, I'm not. I can't say I'm like really emotional about it. But so now you need to go there for the closeout sales. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Does Babies R Us still exist? Because that's part of Toys R Us, isn't it? I or, have no clue. Because it's an R Us kind of thing. I wonder if that's still open. I can't remember if I've seen any of those in a while. We haven't been since before Emma was born, so I wouldn't know. It's very. We went for, I went with you when they had pictures done one time. Um, that's a while back. And one of our former coworkers worked at one. And we yeah. Ran into him. <laughs> yeah, I know you're talking about. And it seems like that store closed because he was unemployed for a while. Gotcha. I don't know, but uh, still pretty sad. <laughs> no more toys on runs. <laughs> no more toys. Uh. I can remember also the first time I wanted um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, the box game, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, I remember finding it and. Uh, oh, OK. Now I remember. I'm, I think I'm remembering it wrong, but I had to find out if the story had. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, the original Advanced Dungeons and Dragons role-playing game, and I really wanted it. And my dad said, uh, do they have it here? Oh, Jessica says, Babies R Us is going down too. Aw, those babies, where will they get their stuff? But I remember my babies, dad... Babies learn how to use computers really fast. So <laughs> they got they'll Amazon. They'll be ordering their own stuff offline, uh, online, I mean. I just remember calling Toys R Us and saying... Uh, do you have Advanced Dungeons and Dragons in the box? And they were like, yes, we do. And I was like, Dad, they do have it. And he was like, oh, okay. But then later on, my dad was like, you need to go unload the dishwasher. And I was like, what? Oh, man, come on. And I went, opened it, and pulled up the thing, and Dungeons and Dragons was in the <laughs> dishwasher. And I was like, oh, it's in there. And he, like, surprised me with it. That was, that was a good memory. Toys R Us was a place of happiness. And Jeffrey, wasn't it the little uh, Jeffrey the giraffe, giraffe yes. guy? Oh, man. That was good stuff. Man, I'm going to miss it, Stephen. Oh, yeah. Sure. Right. That's rich. <laughs> too much. You didn't go too off. <laughs> I miss it, it as it a kid a, in that, the 80s. It was that comfort, that safety blanket that was always there. It's like, I can always go there later. Toys R Us will never go away. Never. <laughs> now, Stephen... Uh, as I said, Ready Player One comes out in a couple of weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep seeing commercials for it. I, I'm i almost like, okay, I don't want to look at it anymore. I want to just see the movie. What, what week was that again? It is on... <laughs> it's in two, we- two weeks from now. Okay. It comes out the 29th. The Avengers one. Uh, yeah, I've got bad news for it, you there. Avengers is uh, April 27th. Yeah. yeah. Why? Jack White's playing that night. Jack White? <laughs> oh, no, tickets. Damn it! Well, you could always see the 26th Thursday night. Or will you just arrive in town on that Friday? Or is it out of town, the Jack White concert? No, it's here. It's in town. Oh, okay. Now, one thing we do know is that uh, Ready Player One has a lot of references in it. And apparently the movie does too. But there's one reference they couldn't get the rights to. Steven Spielberg tried to get Star Wars into Ready Player One, but couldn't. But it also says, corrected. They've updated their story, Steven. Uh-oh. From Back to the Future and the Iron Giant to Akira and the A-Team, Ernest Klein's Ready Player One is absolutely jam-packed with pop culture references. However, despite the efforts of arguably the most famous and powerful director of all time... One kind of big property isn't in the movie adaptation. Speaking at a press conference in Hollywood today, Ready Player One director Steven Spielberg admitted he wasn't able to get the rights to the franchise his best friend created. We couldn't get any Star Wars rights, Spielberg said. We tried very hard. 
they wouldn't give up the Star Wars rights. They, being Disney, of course, which bought Star Wars from Spielberg's pal George Lucas in 2012 for $4 billion. Yeah, yeah, we get it. Still, the director suggested that his licensing team, led in part by producer Christy Makosko Krieger, worked for years to get access to as many licenses as the characters as they could. Christy spent three years with all of the Warner Brothers legal people getting the rights to all of them, and we couldn't get all of them. Besides Star Wars, another franchise they couldn't get was Ultraman. The Japanese superhero plays a huge role in the end of the novel, but it's basically replaced in the film by the Iron Giant. I mean, you've seen that in the trailer, right? Which is owned by Warner Brothers. Ultraman is in a lawsuit, believe it or not. Co-writer Zach Penn told io9. And even Spielberg can't convince these two parties to settle. Still, Zach Pan and others said working with Spielberg made things much easier when it came to licensing rights. And that what did end up in the movie was more than they ever hoped for. It's fun to work for Steven Spielberg. Seriously, his team should get an Oscar for licensing. And actually, one person did think he could have helped. Actually, one person did think he could have helped with those Star Wars rights. You could have called me on that one, Steve, joked Rogue One's Ben Mendelsohn, who is also in Ready Player One. I built the Death Star. I'm just saying. <laughs> and uh, let's see with this video. Contrary to reports spreading now, Disney did let Spielberg use Star Wars in Ready Player One. Here Spielberg explains to me how they snagged rights from all the studios and what Star Wars Easter eggs to look for in the new film. Let's see what uh, Stephen says. It was it was it was difficult because we were greedy about wanting so many cultural <laughs> references throughout the eighties and nineties, uh, but we everybody cooperated. You know, uh, we got we got we, we, you know, Fox and 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 twentieth century Fox and Universal and Paramount and Sony and and Disney. Everybody basically came on board to help us take their IPs and put some of their and, and allow us to create Easter eggs from their their own cultural phenomenons yeah. and so you know and so if you look very carefully you'll see a couple of, you'll see an R2D2 somewhere you'll see an X-Wing somewhere but we didn't want to use the main cultural icons from any of the Disney Star Wars films because those are ongoing that's 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 really part of our contemporary world right now and even though it began in the 80s uh, uh, it is so much a part of our real life today in, in in the 21st century so we asked for some of the smaller items and disney gave us everything we asked for i see he's basically saying there's little kind of easter eggs in the background or in the corner but there's not like like the main character's not going to whip out a lightsaber or anything like that or darth vader's not going to fight one of them or something like that um one cool reference i saw that is uh, somebody freeze framed that I saw on Twitter that I never would have noticed in the trailer, but a f movie marquee says Arnold Schwarzenegger is Jack Slater in last action hero on a little marquee. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh dude, that's awesome. And I was like, there is no way I would have noticed that, <laughs> you know, somebody went through frame by frame and stopped and studied every yeah. inch of it. Yeah. Still. I think that oh, that's pretty cool. That is weird though. They s deliver that story. Like, uh, no, Disney wouldn't let them have any Star Wars. And then it's like an hour later, oh, yes, they would. But it's like, just take your story down and redo it or something. Uh, that's the way reporting is now on these sites, Stephen. They just like, I don't know if this is true. Just put it up there. We can, you know. We can uh, edit later. Yeah. Okay, Stephen, I don't know if you care at all about this, but Danny Boyle confirms plans to direct James Bond 25. We're working on a script right now. <laughs> I always love that. Like, uh, the script's not done, but Danny Boyle has confirmed he is planning to direct the next James Bond film. In an interview with Metro, whatever that is, Boyle revealed he's currently working on the script for James Bond 25 with train spotting writer John Hodge. Earlier reports indicated Boyle and Hodge had specific ideas for the new Bond movie. Separate from the screenplay, MGM and Eon were developing with Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, who wrote Skyfall, Spectre, and Casino Royale, I guess. We are working on a script right now, and it all depends on that, really. I am working on a Richard Curtis script at the moment. We hope to start shooting in six to seven weeks. Then Bond would be right at the end of the year. But we're working on them both right now. Okay, we get it. He's working on them right now, Stephen. 
If all goes to plan, the filmmaker expects to start production as soon as this year. We've got an idea. John Hodge, the screenwriter, and I have got this idea. And John is writing it at the moment. Okay! We, we get it! You're writing it right now! I've got an idea. <clears throat> oh, oh, okay. Stephen, you got an idea? Okay, let me report this story. James Bond 25 opens in theaters on November 8, 2019. So, Stephen, get in line. So, they've already got a release date without even a script. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's how it works. But here's the thing. I don't care about James Bond anymore. I know it's sad to say, but maybe when the trailer comes out, I'll watch it and I'll go, ooh, that looks good. But I swear, I haven't seen the last James Bond film. What was that? I saw Skyfall. Casino Royale. No, I saw Casino Royale. I saw Quantum of Solace. I uh-huh. saw Skyfall, right? What's Was it Skyfall the last one? I don't What was the last one? What was dun, the last dun, James Bond film? Dun, 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 dun. I was thinking Skyfall was the last one. Skyfall. Was it? I I remember it being kind of boring. I had some beautiful cinematography and it had some moments, but man, I don't know. Now, Stephen, next story. You can correct me later. Now you can own the house where Harvey Keitel hosed down Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta. This is such a stupid story. Uh, <laughs> it's such a dumb story. Dun, 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 dun. In Pulp Fiction. Keep going. Curbed LA has spotted a listing for a three bedroom, two bath, 1700 square foot house in Studio City. Awesome. I wonder where they could be going with this, Stephen. Skyfall was the last one in 2012. Are you serious? And it shows Jane, uh, Bond 25 2019. Uh, 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 here we go. All right, Stephen. This house happened to appear in Quentin Tarantino's 1994 Oscar winner as the home of his character, Jimmy. You remember the guy in the bathrobe who drops a bunch of gratuitous N-bombs over coffee? Oh, dear. I do remember when the part about coffee. That's that's really great. Yeah. Looking at the photos of the interior, the layout of the house and vent over the stove are still recognizable from the sequence where Harvey Keitel's Mr. Wolf shows up to help Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta clean up. Is there anything special about that house? It just looked kind of like uh No, there's nothing. I mean, other than... God damn... Other than it being in the movie. The listing suggests that given the desirability of the location and the small size of the house, this might make an amazing development opportunity. But of course, diehard Tarantino fans are welcome to keep the place as is. But if you start complaining that you paid $1.4 million for a tract house that doesn't even have the original 90s kitchen from Pulp Fiction, even though the movie was mentioned prominently in the listing, don't get indignant when your friends shrug and say, It's your house, MF. <laughs> uh, pretty funny, huh, Steven? Mm. God damn, Jimmy. This some serious gourmet shit. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm looking for. There you go. But uh, how cool is that? So, Steven, let's go buy that house. What do you think? Sure, 1.4. Did you see Tommy Wiseau did a... Uh... <laughs> Did you see this? I, I posted it on Entertainment Landfills. Did you see that page. somebody edited Tommy Wiseau's Joker into the Dark Knight and it's awful? Oh, criminals in this town used to believe in things. Honor. Respect. Look at you. What do you believe in, huh? What do you believe in? What doesn't kill you make you stranger. What do you propose? It's simple. We kill the Batman. (laughs) What? They didn't say it was good editing. Let's put a smile on this face. I need him. Where is he? Where is the Batman? It's so bad. Why? So serious! Why so serious? You're garbage. You kills for money. I am not the monster. No, I'm just the head of the curve. He has come to me. Come on. I'm not the monster. No. Madness. It's like gravity. 
You need just a little push, and you can do it! I'm a joker, and jog is on you! Yeah! Do you say, I'm a joker, and the joke is on you? Yes. <laughs> wow. It's pretty bad, Steven. Well, Steven, what do you say we read some Ron Tomato? You say either, I say either, you say neither, and I say neither. Steven, we can't play that because you're going to have to back up where you can't see the screen, by the way, a little oh. bit. We can't play Ron Tomatoes because we got to play some games with Uh-oh. Steven. It's time for playing games with Steven the Pop Culture Zealot. A game where we check to see if Steven's microphone is working or if he's even still awake. Let's challenge him to some zany stuff. So what do you say everybody? Let's challenge Steven to some trivia and other crazy shit. It's time to play a game with you. This is a game I came up with on the fly. And uh, it'll be four different rounds. And it's very simple. Uh, as you know, for a long time now, we've named the episodes. Or, you know, I've named the episodes of the shows if I, as I put them out. I give them silly names sometimes. Or it might be something we mentioned. Or a drop that's played. Or something like that. Now, I'm going to name you three. Oh, no. I'm going to name you four. Three are real. One of them is made up on the fly. Okay. Okay. Do you remember all these names for shows over time? I, I've looked at them over time, but I've you, <laughs> you want me to remember them? I don't know. Okay. The first one is there an episode called Sigabuku Nanafufu? Is there an episode called The Sausage? Is there an episode called? Easy Crime? Is there an episode called Shrinkage? Have I done four now? Sigabuku, The Sausage, Shrinkage, uh, Shrinkage and, and, and Easy Crime. Easy Crime. Which one of those is not real? I'm thinking Sigabuku. <laughs> You're right, Steve. That was totally made up. <laughs> was, that oh, the, was that the gimme? <laughs> that was the gimme. <laughs> All right. Now, have we ever had an episode called I Kill You? Have we ever ever had an episode called Quadrangle? Have we ever had an episode called Scientological? Have we ever had an episode called... Wait, is that four? (laughs) That's three. Massive Damage. Which one of those isn't real? I'd say the Scientological and Massive Damage are real. Uh, What were the other first two? Quadrangle. Quadrangle. And Ted Nelson. No, 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 no. That wasn't the one. Oh, it wasn't? I Kill You. I Kill You. (laughs) Sorry. I Kill You or Quadrangle. I'm going to go with No Quadrangle. No Quadrangle. Quadrangle is real. Oh. Episode 129. Scientological was made up. (laughs) There has to be an episode called that now, eventually. All right, here's another one. I know that's a drop we used often. What's funny is, do you remember any of these names as I'm saying them? Like, is it like, like, none of these sound familiar? Uh, Some are familiar. All right. But maybe because it was a drop title. Mm -hmm. All right, here we go. Springtime flowers bloom. Bingo Rama. Acta non verba. Or simple pleasures. Which one of those isn't real? I can re say any of them if you want. Uh, do them all one more time. Springtime flowers bloom. Bingo Rama. Acta non verba. Or simple pleasures. Acta non verba. Acta non verba is real. (laughs) 
episode 132. <laughs> the made-up one is Bingo-Rama. That <laughs> was, was one of those two, was my guess. What's funny is, just seeing that title, it's like, okay, I gotta go back and listen to that. Why is it called that? <laughs> Why is it called Actin' on Verba? Okay. You ready for this one? Sure. Is there an episode called McDonald Lanchiba? Charisma's a bitch? Horse bleep? Or die hard? Die hard. Which one of those uh, is not real? McDonald Lanchiba. <laughs> I can believe that. Charisma's a bitch. Uh. Die Hard. Why would we go with just Die Hard? Unless, I mean, that's a movie mini title, but mm-hmm. not a. Are you considering move, mini movies? You can't no, answer no. that, but. No, I will answer that. It's only regular episodes. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the next to last one uh, Horse Bleep? Yes. You had it right. Die Hard was the wrong. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's. Like, that was a trick one. It was like gonna get me. It was a trick. Okay, here we go, Stephen. Um, I couldn't believe you'd use a swear in a title. <laughs> That's why I went with that one. Now, is film squatting a title of an episode? Is ums and Oz a title of an episode? Want a smoothie or wah wah wah? Which one of those is not real? Film squatting, ums and ahs, want a smoothie, or wah, wah, wah? Want a smoothie. (laughs) That's real. (laughs) Episode 140, want a smoothie. And I remember what that is from. Friday Night Lights. Coach Taylor's like, anybody else want a smoothie? Do you remember that? Let's see if I can find the drop to that, because I remember that episode. That was funny, because he goes, I thought the players could, they don't want some smoothies. What'd you say? You want a smoothie? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Wah, wah, wah was not a title. Although it could be a chachi-centric episode. Wah, wah, wah. Well, what do you say, Stephen? Was that a fun game? Yes. I wonder if Adam... I got one right. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if Adam Howard would would be able to do well at that. See, there's that's another good game for for the uh, diehards. Yes, definitely. Well, Stephen, remember we're going to a movie. We've got plenty of time, though. Let's read some Rotten Tomatoes. What do you say? Let's do it. You say either, I say either. You say neither, and I say neither. Either, either. And neither, neither, let's call the whole thing off. Yes, you like potato, and I like potato. You like tomato, I like tomato. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. I like stale tomato juice. Oh, I love stale tomato juice. It's delicious, Stephen. Mmm, mmm. Love it. Now, Stephen, uh, we're going to see a certain movie tonight, and I don't know if uh, I want to read what people think of it because it'll cloud my judgment. It'll taint your... You are full of... No, I'm being totally serious. Oh, yeah. Sure. Right. That's rich. (laughs) Now, Tomb Raider, we will be seeing tonight at 1040, and I would say it's kind of a 50-50 kind of a movie, right? If it's yeah, I mean a popcorn goofy fun movie. Yeah, okay. I will say this. Did you see any of the Angelina Jolie ones in the theater? I don't think I did. I thought we did see them. I was thinking maybe rentals? No, we did see them. The first one? Yep. Remember cuz uh, uh Chris Berry's in it uh, from Red Dwarf? Mhm. I do remember, remember that. Did we see the first? Uh, maybe we did. Uh, we saw, maybe we've we saw seen them both all of them in the theater. I think you're right. I Come think... on, we see everything in the theater. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just... Come on, movie nerd. I have no memory of it. That's the thing. <laughs> no, I do remember seeing at least the first one for sure. Okay, Tomb Raider is currently 50% and, and um, 50% rotten. 
88 fresh, 89 rotten. I'm going to say that's pretty yeah. right in the middle. Like they say, uh, 73% of audiences liked it. Um, I played both the latest Tomb Raider games, and I enjoyed them. It's kind of an origin story for Lara Croft. They call her Lara, not Lara. I want to see if they They're do that wrong. in the movie. <laughs> They're wrong. <laughs> so in the movie, it's kind of her becoming Lara Croft. And in the second game, she's getting closer to it. And I think the third game, she is full-time archaeologist Laura Croft. And that's the main thing that I see some people say, like, we want this to be a female Indiana Jones. And I'm not sure. Uh, I think there's a lot of cool tomb raiding that you do in the games, but not enough. The second one had a little bit more of it, like puzzles you can do. If I get a little bit of that in the movie, I'll be happy. But this is mostly about Laura finding her strength and fighting back and that kind of thing. And it's about a badass woman and I want to see that and I'm excited about it. So, uh, David Edelstein of New York magazine says a tight, fast, well-made B picture that delivered exactly what it promised. I liked it much. I liked it much. Okay. It's a weird way to say it. Um, Mark Ellis of Schmoes No says Alicia Vikander is so good without saying anything. She does so much acting with every intonation of her face. Her eyes express so much. A 3.4 out of 5. Okay. He really liked her. Okay. Pete Hammond of Deadline Hollywood Daily says Alicia Vikander's tough and tender turn as Lara, Lara Croft makes this silly but entertaining action adventure worthwhile. Okay. Jason Best of Movie Talk says, All the breathless action and cliffhanger thrills you could want from a souped-up B-movie of this kind. All right. Everybody's throwing out B-movie, right? Are they Because it's not an A-list actor, it's a B-movie? I guess... Sarah Michelle Fetters of Movie Freak. Oh, man, that lady's a movie freak. Tomb Raider is a total kick in the pants, and I had a terrific time watching it. As strong as Jolie might have been as the character previously, she was never given the same freedom to evolve and emote as Vikander had been granted. Now, I will say this about Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie. It just felt silly, like she was tough and she had the two guns, because the games did, right? She didn't have them based on these newer games. It was the older PlayStation games. And it just kind of seems silly. They didn't have enough for her to do, you know? It's like it wasn't quite there, those movies. They've been showing them a lot. You see them on uh, Showtime or HBO every once in a while. And if you sit and watch them, it's just like, it's just flat. It's not that interesting, you know? Is it the, the last one was one with her dad in it. With yeah, her, The right? Cradle of Life. Yeah. I don't know that we saw that one in the theater. It was called Lara, Lara Croft Tomb Raider and then Lara Croft The Cradle of Life or something like that. Wasn't Because in the games, there's a supernatural element. In the movies, it's like there is a little bit, but they kind of feel silly, so they don't want to go all out. I think they should just go all out. You know what I mean? Christian Harloff of Schmoes No says, I'd watch another one. I want to see more of Alicia Vikander as Lara Croft. Three out of five. Wow, those are good reviews, Stephen. It sounds like it's a lot of fun. Alan Scherstol of Village Voice, though, says, Vikander invests herself in Laura Croft, and the filmmakers, unlike the ones Joe Lee got saddled with, frame her with awe rather than lust. Now, if only they could bring some of that awe to the tombs. Oh, okay. Adam Graham of Detroit News says, like your copy of the original PlayStation game, this Tomb Raider already feels like it's covered in dust. <laughs> See? Still passing. That's a, a watchable movie. <laughs> Peter Rayner of Christian Science Monitor says, Tomb Raider, sloppy, directed by Roar Uthfog. I don't know how this guy's dead. Would not be worth watching without Vikander, who darts, leaps, and pummels her way through this mediocre escapade with a winning fiercenessness. Fierceness. I made up a word there, Stephen. C. If your movie makes people want to play the game instead, that's a sign of deficient filmmaking or an extremely overpriced advertisement. I give it a two out of four. I am Tina Hassan Hassania. All right. 
Let's see with this. Uh, sometimes. Oh my God. Never mind. I was going to read what this viewer had to say, but he wrote tons of paragraphs. That sounds like you would give it away by reading, writing that much. Yeah. The information in here is worth millions. Oh, okay. Uh, Sergio Lopez Aguirre of Cine Premier says, Simply the vehicle for the delivery of complex and colorful action sequences. I give it a three out of five. Nice. You idiot. Make like a tree and leap. Okay. Uh, Jamal Dean Grootboom. That's an awesome name, Stephen. Groot Boom. I am Groot Boom. <laughs> it does away with the over-the-top nature of the previous incarnation, and in its place, we get a gripping action-adventure film. Hot damn! Oh, yeah. Sure. Right. That's rich. <laughs> Three out of five. Lee Patch says, as a disposable diversion... It gets the job done just well enough. Now, Stephen, do you say diversion or diversion? Diversion. So do I, but I had to read it as diversion there. Um, I'm sorry. Christopher Lawrence of Las Vegas Review Journal says, aside from Goggins and Vikander, who make for a plucky underdog, Lara, it classes up the joint considerably. Everyone involved seems to be going through the motions. I give it a C. Yippee dabba do, mother may I? <laughs> okay. So I'm we're going to see it. Alright? Sounds cool. There's a couple of other movies. I don't even know what these are. I can only imagine. I gotta read what this is. It's sixty percent fresh, Steven. That's not what you were talking about. I thought you were like, I can only imagine what these movies are about. <laughs> no, that's the name of the movie. The movie's called I Can Only Imagine. Here's what it says. The inspiring and unknown true story behind Mercy Me's beloved chart topping chart topping song that brings the ultimate hope to so many is a gripping reminder of the power of true forgiveness. Now, do you know what song they're talking about? No. Is it, oh, mercy, mercy me, that song? <laughs> mercy me's beloved chart-topping song. That's the band. I can only imagine. I would say that's All right, let's check this out real quick. Let's see if we recognize this song, Stephen. Is it a... Oh, no. Super cheese, isn't it? I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk. Holy shiznit, can it be true? By your side, I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is. This is some me. cheesy shit. I can okay, only Tiara imagine. Okay, calm down. So it's a super cheese ball song, okay? What are they Surrounded imagining? by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all oh, no, Jesus. Still, will I stand in your presence? What you might Jesus is when Christ will I sing hallelujah? <laughs> I can only imagine. Jesus Christ! I can only imagine. I can only imagine, Stephen. When that day comes, and I find myself standing in the sun, I can only imagine. So much fun and imagination. Is forever, forever. My imagination is running wild right now. I can only imagine, yeah. I can only imagine. Like one of the worst things imaginable. <laughs> All right, I can't take anymore. So anyway, this movie's based on this movie, Stephen. This is what they say. Based on that song? <laughs> yeah, based on that song. 60% fresh. Six fresh, four rotten. <laughs> Ten <laughs> reviews of this movie. Here's what they say. Jesse Hasinger of AV Club says, 
This is an interesting idea executed with a reductive, ten-eared understanding of what constitutes art to go along with a faith-based movie's reductive, ten-eared understanding of what constitutes entertainment. D. <laughs> Frank Shack. Hey, Shack. A Hollywood reporter says... <laughs> Nobody gets that. <laughs> like so many faith-based efforts, I can only imagine suffers from a terminal case of self-importance. All right. Robert Abel of The Rap says, why is the movie made from a universally healing single such an earnest, awkward dud? Well, partly because the movie can't settle on what's more important, the family stuff or the ascension of the song as a fame inducing anthem. All right. How many times is a song played in that movie? Oh, wow. Roger Moore, I've heard of this guy of Movie Nation, says, Emotionally flat and uninspiring inspirational biopic about the hard life that led a composer to write the title Christian Ballad. Let's see what uh, Jim Judy of Screen It says. A solid offering that's given me faith that a faith-based film can deliver something beyond a sermon. Aww. Sandal Angulo Chen of Common Sense Media says, Poignant faith-based drama about hit song inspiration. Well, she didn't really go deep in there, did she? Christian Toto of HollywoodInToto.com says, <laughs> Need more proof a faith-based film genre continues to mature? Here you go. Okay. Chris Knight of National Post says, The real love stories in this movie are between a father and son, a man and his God, and a singer, and his song, three out of five. Oh my god, that sounds so sweet, Steven. Yeah, but three out of five is rotten. Jesus Christ! Three out of five? Yeah, isn't that rotten? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, I can only imagine is an indie that does the song and his sentiments proud, says Megan Basham of World. God. I've never heard of any of this shit. What are they talking about? Have you ever heard of any of this? I've never heard of that song or that. I never saw that movie being released anywhere. Nope. Um, another movie, Love, Simon has come out. And this is directed by Greg Berlanti, the guy who produces The Flash, Arrow, um, uh, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Legends. Uh, Black Lightning. Uh, am I forgetting one? Supergirl. Supergirl. And he's even producing the new Chris Fedak show, Did You Watch Deception on ABC? It's about the illusionist ma magician no. guy. I watched the first episode, and I was like, oh my god, this sounds so bad. This looks so bad. I thought it was entertaining. I haven't fallen in love with the characters or anything yet, but it held my interest. Vinnie Jones is in it, too, and I thought that was funny. Because he's the juggernaut. Bitch. I'm the juggernaut, bitch! You gotta love that, right? Right. So wake the bitch up. Oh my god, what? Everyone deserves a great love story, but for 17-year-old Simon Spear, it's a little more complicated. He's yet to tell his family or friends that he's gay, and he doesn't actually know the identity of the anonymous classmate he's fallen for online. Resolving both issues proves hilarious, terrifying... And life-changing. Directed by Greg Berlanti, who produces... Oh, I should have just read this. Riverdale, The Flash, Supergirl. Um, who's also... He's uh, gay, also. So I can see why this is a personal story for him. 91% fresh. 83% fresh. 8 rotten. So it, I've heard it's a sweet film. Pete Travers says, Greg Berlanti's ground... Greg Berlanti's groundbreaking gay... See, I saw groundbreaking gay rom-com... I just wanted to say it all at the same time, you know? Greg Berlanti's groundbreaking gay rom-com is an exuberant gift. A John Hughes movie for audiences who just got woke. And the first mainstream studio release to put a closeted teen in front and center. Three out of four. Cool. Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun-Times says... Wait, is he still paying, buying Twitter followers? I don't know if we should read this. As the romantic mystery develops, the light comedy keeps us amused. 3.5 out of 4. 
Sheila O'Malley of RogerEber.com says, Love, Simon is filled with humor in its character, dialogue, and situations, but it doesn't sacrifice emotional depth. The two work in tandem. Brian Lowry of CNN.com says, The story's lightness is, in a sense, the source of its charm. Adam Graham of Detroit News says, It's a warm but thin rom-com that isn't particularly noteworthy outside of its trailblazing subject matter. Its heart is in the right place, however, which gives it a light stamp of approval. I didn't read that sentence very well, but I got the gist. Chandler Levac says, As a consumer, it is simply your responsibility to see it, just so that many more Love, Simons can be made. 3.5 out of 4. Sarah Michelle Fetters of MovieFreak.com says, Thanks to a dynamic, emotionally astute script from Berger and Aptaker that coupled with Berlanti's unobtrusive direction helps make this movie an agreeable revelation. I likely couldn't have resisted even if I had wanted to. Three out of four. These are all great reviews. The whole front pages. Jim Judy, he says an engaging, entertaining, and thought-provoking film. Kiko Martinez says, while things get a bit Dawson Creaky at times, director Greg Berlanti never allows the narrative's melodrama to overtake the more significant themes that make a film like Love, Simon, a milestone for mainstream gay movies. Frank Wilkins says, a complex balancing act with a perfectly executed payoff that might not have had the same impact without Robinson's heartwarming break, breakout performance. Now, this is starring Nick Robinson, who was like the older kid in Jurassic World. Remember the older brother? Yes. Um, okay, people love this freaking movie. I've got to see the bad reviews, though, because some people gave it bad reviews. They're like, <laughs> hey... I'm going to ruin this rating on Rotten Tomatoes, Steven. <laughs> Frank Switek of One Guy's Opinion says, A good-hearted but exceptionally bland coming-out-of-age movie modeled after John Hughes' high school pictures of the 80s. See? That's just my opinion. Dan Schindel of the Film Stage says, It's undeniably a good thing that exists. All the guys who gave it a bad review sound like this, by the way. It's undeniably a good thing that it exists, that we have a wide-release movie that treats homosexuality as normal and natural, is about a gay kid, and even directed by a gay man. I just hope that it pays the way for better movies. Hey! Oh! oh, wow, he really got them, didn't he, Stephen? Gary Thompson of Philadelphia Daily News says, The kid makes Ferris Bueller look like a dangerous radical. Oh, 2.5 out of 4 over here! Wow. Hey, Roger Moore. He didn't like it, Stephen. He says, innocuous. But at this stage of cultural progression on the gay acceptance front, that's not enough. Two out of four. Oh. These guys are all a bunch of guidos. <laughs> <laughs> David Wiegand of San Francisco Chronicle. Wait, San Francisco Chronicle, Stephen. You know what that means? Hello, Frisco. The element that keeps Love, Simon from fully realizing its potential is that it feels like something you see on the TV. And it's not on TV in 2018. It's TV you'd see in the 80s. Oh, two out of four. Wow. So that looks good. I know Emma wants to see that in, uh, badly. She's in, she's about to start high school, Stephen. So, yep, she's in eighth grade. It's the last year of uh, middle school. It's unbelievable i still don't understand it when i i'm like wait we went to a thing for oh, i was uh, teasing when she walked in her goes who's this tall person in she's here? super tall we went to the high school and we were walking around because we did a thing where they tell you about uh how do you pick your classes and how many credits you get and they tell you how important ninth grade is to get the start off right and uh they told her she's got to take one year of p.e uh, to get it out of the way, like do it in night grade. She's, she's like, no, I think I'm going to save it. I'm like, no, just get it out of the way. And she, but no, like maybe next year I can understand. Like you don't want to be sucks. the old kid in the, in in the, in PE. the in PE I have the- a feeling she's going to be a senior taking PE. So Steven, um, all's good, you know, but God, I'm excited about ready player one, but I'm also you know, still excited about what? Pacific Rim! Already! Yeah! Already! 
Now, have you been seeing the trail, the commercials on TV of that? Yes, I have. Have you noticed the already in the commercial now? I can't wait, Stephen. I'm excited. So that's enough. Uh, let's read Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, that's uh, all we got for the evening. Is that right? No. No, that's that's pretty much it. Um, that's all I can think of, Stephen. So that's uh, all you got. That's all you I got. got. Nothing. That's all I got over here. Thought you were cooler than that. I know. I'm so sorry. So, Stephen, I will see you on the flip side. Be right back, okay? Okay. I'm going to leave just for a minute. Thank you. Good night. Here all week, try the veal. And vet asap yeah you're right i do need to get to the vet steven all right steven well this was episode 50 uh, etl news episode 52 Woo-hoo! who knows what we'll call this maybe bingo rama <laughs> <laughs> die hard die hard let's just call it die hard it was funny i was actually i i couldn't get die hard out of my head because i was watching an old kevin smith thing where he was talking about what a dick Bruce Willis is when he uh-huh. made uh, cop out. And it was such a funny story. Um, he said he was sitting on a corner. I don't know. You may have seen this. It's one, it's one of those things where he gets up and talks and everything. And these guys go, yo, die hard, die hard or whatever to Bruce Willis. And he's just kind of like, yeah, yeah. And he's just like ignoring them and they drive away and he's standing on a street corner with Bruce Willis. And he's like, that's got to feel good. Huh? And Bruce Willis kind of turns, he does that patented squint, and he goes, I especially hate the ones that say die hard the most. And he was like, whoa. <laughs> you know, like, not only does he hate when people call out his name, but he hates the one who mentioned die hard more than any of them. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, and all I'll say is this, would you want to work with that asshole? <laughs> it was really funny. Because I was always curious about what he did that was so bad. But basically, he's just really difficult and he's kind of an asshole. So he did, uh, you know, that most recent film, Death Wish, that seemed to be not good. So, oh, well. Stephen, are you reading any books right now? I'm still kind of stuck on uh, the Night Shift collection. Oh really? What's the last uh, short story you read in there? Uh, I'm on. I'm. I've started the body. The bo- Oh, stand by me. Yes. Nice. No, the body. Oh, I mean, <laughs> stand by on... the body. <laughs> yes, the stand by me movie. Hey, Stephen. Jesus. I love it. I didn't know we had so many Jesus Christ drops. We should have done that. We're going to do that for next week. How many Jesus drops do we have, Stephen? Because we got a lot of them. Just out of curiosity, I'm going to type in Jesus and hit enter. And it says we have 71 drops with Jesus in it. This one is from Kitchen Nightmares. If you continue like that, Jesus Christ actually going to appear. <laughs> nice. I love it. So good. Oh, Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode does not count. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. This is a kind of a short episode, but like I said, hey, we got to go get to the, the Tomb Raiders over here. But uh, go to etlandfill.com. There you can find all of our previous episodes of the show. You could also find a link to become a patron to the show for as little as a dollar a month. You get some free goodies and you help support the show. So check out that. Don't forget to join our 
ETL Fan Club. I got to remember what it's called. ETL Fan Club on Facebook. There, that's where we do a lot of talking. That's where you can see Stephen post stuff all on, the time. All the time, you can see stuff Swiley posts and Ken posts and <laughs> stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I posted that uh, the Joker one on the wrong ETL site. Oh, there. See, we have the ETL page. Yes. that's for the site. You might have posted it there. Yeah, and that one is mainly for people to find maybe who aren't familiar with the show if they just look us up. But we also have the fan club. See? Yep, there yeah. it is. Tommy Weasel releases Joker audition tape, which is frightening. <laughs> uh, I, I like will... the, I like at the end of it his his buddy uh, Greg, Greg Sestero puts on the Batman mask. Yeah. Now, Bill said that he's going to see Best Friends with Greg Sestero live in April, on April 17th in Brooklyn. So that's got that's going to be a story. Hopefully he can be on the show to tell us all about that, because that movie looks beyond bizarre, too. But, but uh, that's the one he wrote, Greg Sestero. Yes. And I have a feeling it's still going to be a train wreck, though. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so, Stephen, what do you say... I, I'm trying to think of anything else I got to say. What do you got to say, Stephen? I got nothing to say. Will I dance for your cheers? Or in all you'll be sick? Oh, Lord, Jesus Almighty. Hell yeah. Where's the Tylenol? Exactly. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. What are you waiting for? Get out there, go see some Tomb Raider. Get ready for some uh, Ready Player One. Ready Player One, and don't forget about some War Ready. War Ready. Pacific Rim Two. And by the way, Heather said, you know what? I'll go see that with you. I like John Boyega. And I go, hey, did you see Pacific Rim, the first one? She goes, no. And I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. Let's go see it. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Now, Stephen, let me ask you that. Since you're going to be at a concert, should I go see Pacific Rim without you? Or should I wait till the following Saturday to go see it? Because I can wait. wait till Saturday. Wait till Saturday. Okay. <laughs> so, guys. Uh, I, I almost came real close. This is really crazy. So I got Jack White tickets for Friday and Sunday. And David Burns is traveling doing his tour. Mm. He's playing Houston on Saturday. I almost bought tickets for Saturday. That would have been a crazy weekend. Yeah, big time. But then he announced uh, another show here in Dallas in October. So I got tickets for that. Wow. This used to be a crazy concert here like last year was pretty insane and it's gotta you gotta balance it with movies coming out too i know all right steven so let's get to the theater and get our popcorn and hot dogs and guys what are you waiting for come with us to the movies and we'll see you next time Well, that's all, folks. I got nothing. Later days, yo. Now this is podcasting. Now why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Completely unacceptable. You idiot. Make like a tree and leave. Yippee-dabba-doo, mother may I.